right, my talkers, new week, more fun with Lori and Julia, and let's get it off and have a little fun here with our weekend claim to fame. Hey, Grant. Hi, Grant. Hey, guys. Well, Julia and I have the exact same weekend claim to fame. Family party family. Yeah, hey, family yo. party family, and uh, yes, my darling husband, Casey, who I forgot to thank when I... Got up to Igna, but I was so nervous. Anyway, he hired a band, this really great band, Kalea and Blackwater. Yes. To play for, um, I turned 39 again, or 38 again, or 50, I can't decide. You but did have a birthday. I did have a birthday. you had it again. I had it again, and uh, we were at Schuler's Tavern. What and a fun bar. It's a fun bar, but that band is fantastic. They were amazing. And people were dancing. It was just a blast. And Thank we, you, we Grant. Family and from out of town. It was, it, yeah. I mean, all, just so many friends from different walks of life, and the family, and just dancing, and the neighbors. I, I told my neighbor ladies, I said, "Thank goodness you gals came and got the part because they, they all got they up got and, the dancing started. They got the dancing mm-hmm. really going. And uh, but wasn't that band fun? Mm. Amazing. Kalea and Blackwater. Yes. She can sing anything. Yes. And Corey could play anything. And Corey could play anything. Yeah. And the drum. I mean, it was just fun, Grant. It was so oh, yeah. rowdy. I bet. I bet. It was so, so rowdy. At one point towards the end of the night, the 24-year-old kid who was celebrating his birthday with a group of friends, he was like, he he finally understood that there's not usually a band there. That right. Somebody had hired them, right. and we were doing a conga line to some song. Oh. <laughs> Lori, and, you were in your element. Oh, my gosh. It was so fun dancing, but he just was like, oh, my God, this is the best birthday. But it was a riot. And that place has good tavern food. Because yes. some of my friends came early, and, and their pizza is amazing. The pizza is amazing, amazing. It's really good pizza. So, anyway, Schuler's, it's just kind of hidden away. I had another birthday party there once with the Flamin' O's. I recommend, uh, you know, if you have that's just such the a inclination idea, to you spend don't have a little to, money. Yeah, and you don't have to rent out the bar. You just provide a band for the bar. Yeah, and then we Which had is, to give the, you know, uh, Phil, who uh, owns Schuler's, you know, I had to give him on Thursday night, I'd give him some kind of an estimate yes. of how many tables they should save for the sure. party. Mm-hmm. But it was super fun. I did have to go nap in my car. Oh, you did? <laughs> I sent, you did? I sent my kids. I because Friday night I went hard, and then and Saturday just because we had a fa- we had a family party, which was really the first party we've had like in our backyard since we put up the twinkle lights yeah. and post COVID and everything. Not that we're really post COVID, but just mm-hmm. where we all gathered and it looked so festive back there. It was so and fun. It was just fun. But then I just was tired. I had got up late, early tennis Saturday morning, and then all day Saturday. I I had to take allergy pills for the last few days with the smoke. The smoke? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my head was just killing me. So I ended up, I texted my kids, I'm in the car taking a nap, <laughs> and I'm fine. You know, because I just wanted to sleep for about 20 minutes. My car's not comfortable. Yeah. It the was... back seat sleeping over the hump mm-hmm. in the middle was not comfortable. But my one of my kids is like, to my other sister is there, and she goes, Catherine, go find out mom's okay. Why she's taking a nap? And Catherine's like, she's fine. She's fine. Don't worry about it. No, she's it good. was just, it was Sleep really. And, and Lori, there's a video of Lori leading the dance with the kids. Nice. And you just couldn't have looked happier. I'm going to post a cute picture of you and Casey today because he has shrunk. He has shrunk. Julia, don't, I don't say mean that it in a mean Casey. way. But you guys are so cute. He had on his hat and his dark shirt with the 
thing down the middle, and you had on your black jumpsuit. You guys look so cute together. Well, and we do know how to dance. And you do know how to dance. They do know how to dance and just look so happy. You looked so happy, Lori. It was so fun. Yeah, it was just a blast. I I recommend having a birthday party for yourself and hiring a band (laughs) again. I mean, seriously. They were good. Yeah. How about you? Did you have a weekend? Yeah, we had. Yeah, we had. Uh, well, I want to say goodbye to two of our friends, Travis and Katrina. They're moving this week to Texas, so we threw them a party the same day as yours. I was. Oh, gonna, yes. I was going to try to balance both, but I had a little too much fun at mine. Yeah. And I was like, I just don't know if I should show up as hammered as I am right now. Yeah. So I didn't make it over. Unfortunately, I wish I could have been there for you. Sounds like a blast. But Sunday, then we went out for uh, Grandma Badisher, Lily, my girlfriend's uh, 91st birthday. We went down to to Canterbury. Your and- girlfriend's 91st birthday. No, my girlfriend's grandma's ninety first. Yeah, I, we, like I was like, is- Grant, you're really dating a cougar. I definitely, yeah, yeah I said that a little fast. No, her, it was uh, Grandma Badisher's ninety first, and we went out to. She's a big horse race fan. She reads all the handicaps in the newspaper all the time. So, and they had the corgi races, which yes. Matt had talked about. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Was we won fun? a little bit of money and um, spent some time with her. And How it was fun. a good weekend. Yeah. So was it? Were the corgi races just funny? To oh, watch? they're adorable. There was at one point in time there was these two corgis that were leading, and the other one just takes a left and takes the other one out, and then cuts across. And Paul Allen, you guys know the voice, yes, but yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's narrating great. the whole mm-hmm. thing, and just it was fun. I mean, it was a nice break from the regular races, but a lot of kids. Oh my gosh, I, it was full of kids for the corgi oh, races. Fun. So yeah, it was cool. Is oh, that all that they race for corgis? For dogs, yes. For dogs. for dogs. But sometimes they have like llama and they do okay. ostrich. They do like other okay. animal Pita, races. Peter must not like that. No, I'm no, I no, guess not. We not. No, we're not. You know what I'm saying? But ostriches are funny. Hysterical. Yeah, it's hysterical. cool. Hysterical. That would be so funny. Remember going to the dog races in Hudson back in the day? Or we'd no, go to them I in Florida. Went. We did. I went to Florida, the, the dog it. races in Florida yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Same. They're funny. They're mm-hmm. funny to watch. Yeah. Oh, Lori's my. Did you get it off? Nope. Why does Bradley leave this on every day? There. There, there we go. The speaker's off. Okay. Got it. Bradley leaves it on for me every day just, <laughs> just to see if I'm paying attention. <laughs> and no, I'm not. Actually, no, you really are. That, that's what we can report from that. You small really echoes. Aren't. Sound great now. You yeah. sound great now. Yeah. Oh, and I had to, we had to say goodbye to the the baby. We've oh. had the, we've had the little grand baby boy with us for a whole week and he had to go back to his house in chicago what did you call him the velvet the uh, ve- oh velvet baby thighs do you miss those already oh casey, casey, casey you guys are gonna Sunday, go to withdrawals he said to me he goes i feel like crying <laughs> oh you're gonna go through I withdrawals. yeah i know well don't let your kids grow up and move away <laughs> Isn't that, the, you know, my thing always would be go away to college or school or whatever. Go away, but come back home. Yep. Yeah. That's what I did. You know, go mm-hmm. away, come mm-hmm. back home. Get yeah. it out of your system. Go yep. have some fun. I, learn a little bit and then come back to where it all matters. Home. Yeah. I don't know how my mom did it and did it like moving overseas for three years, four years. And that would be no, you wouldn't see the grandparents. I mean, I like, I think about that. Your grandparents uh, wouldn't see you for years. Yeah. That would be horrible. Yeah, and of course, back then, you know... It wasn't so easy to travel and go visit. Well, it wasn't, and then also long-distance phone calls were, like, tremendously Remember expensive. Remember how expensive you'd call on Sundays? Don't you? Sundays, like, after five. When did that yeah. change? Was it with cell phones that finally, or some point, know, or unlimited long-distance? When did that happen? In the 90s? I have no idea, but yeah. I remember we'd... Because Dad moved to Florida a long time ago, and we would call him on Sundays after five. Yeah. Or collect. 
Two thousand six. Prices have gotten so low that the Federal Communications stopped tracking the cost of long distance phone yeah. calls in two thousand six. So yeah, yeah when cell it. phones got to their yeah. peak it was probably around two thousand everybody had one by two thousand six. Right. So they stopped tracking costs for long distance calls in two thousand six. Two thousand six. All right. Well wow. that that makes then then, you know, probably a lot of people did that for a long <gasps> time, you know, doing the Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Sundays or after five, you could call or something. Remember, the circuits would be busy. I mean, it was just like a big, it seems so archaic when you think about it now. Yeah, it really It is. seems like a very, very long time ago. It really does. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, um, it's Monday. That's minute, all we can say. Are you sure? It's Check just Monday. But I'm not going to say it's a happy Monday, a fun Monday. It's just it's Monday. Just Monday. They come. And they come they, every week. That's right. Every and seven days like clockwork. I'm glad it wasn't yesterday because, <laughs> mm-hmm. man, were we moving slow. Me too. Were you guys? Oh, yes. Well, I, I didn't sit down once the whole no, night. No, and didn't. we got there at like six and I was just a little social butterfly dancing person. And I might It was body, six to midnight. Was that was a long there. open house because I was thinking because <laughs> we you house. schedule your open houses and stuff. You know, you want it two hours knowing it'll take an hour to get rid of people. Mm-hmm. So it's a three hour your open house was for no the band started seven, seven to midnight. midnight. That's per. That's like what you want, Jules. That was a long open house, is what uh, I'm calling it. You don't care. You weren't there at seven. I didn't see you there until seven, eight. Seven ten. I was oh, there. All right, sleeping Goodbye. in her car. Sleeping in her car. <laughs> <laughs> all right. When we come back, it's our story. We can't get enough of. Thanks, Grant. Thank okay. you. Thank you. New. Well, it's, it's a new month. It's a new day. That's right. August second. Donnie Love showed up to our party on Saturday yes, night. Yes, he did. And it was his birthday yesterday. I know. Donald. I know. Okay, so Donald, um, Donald uh, Reese Witherspoon, the rumor, I guess, was true. She sold her entertainment startup company that she started in 2016, Hello Sunshine. She wasn't the sole owner. No. She, she had it. Uh, her she husband had, was a partner. With AT and T and all kinds, but anyway, she sold it for nine hundred million dollars to a firm backed by private equity giant Blackstone Group. And uh, of course, um, Hello Sunshine. Some of the shows that she produced and Reese started in twenty sixteen, and she started it to change the way women are seen in media. And she, her first thing she did was Wild. Yes, based on the Cheryl, Cheryl Strayed book, Minnesota Gal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and other things that she did, uh, then Big Little Lies, Apple's The Morning Show, of course, Gone Girl was also produced by mm-hmm. um, Hello Sunshine, and um, so Reese and the Hello Sunshine CEO will join the board of this new com- company, continue to operate the business. According to the Wall Street Journal, which first reported the sale, Blackstone is spending $500 million in cash. Jeez. To purchase shares yeah. from existing investors, and um, then they're going to roll over the remaining equity into ownership stakes in the new company. Blackstone is for is uh, forming, and the the thing is, is that the demand for streaming it's at an all time high, and media yeah. deals are hot, hot, hot. So that is like a, amazing uh, for Reese. Really amazing. It's really amazing. And, and you know, it, and this is a trend. We've seen so many other um, women uh, actors that we've known have started their own production companies Nicole because Kidman Nicole did. Kidman, mm-hmm. we've got um, Kelly Kuoko, you've got, um, oh, there's just so many of them yeah, that have done this. But, I mean, Reese, Reese the- was kind of on the cutting edge, but she 
hit home runs right away. She yes. hit home runs. So she not only bought the book rights, she produced the movie when she starred in it. Yeah. So Wild was such a success, and it was such a great story about Cheryl Strayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that they are working on right now, Lori, that I just want to die for is Where the Crawdads Sing. So oh. they have the rights to that, the movie rights to that, which that book has been on the New York Times bestseller for like seven years. It well, like no, it hasn't been seven years, years, and it's finally dropped something. off. And Did it? It, it was the yeah, best Yeah, it's like book. three years. Three years. More than I think, but okay. Mm. But so anyway, it's a big darn deal. Yeah. Uh, you, it's a huge deal. I mean, she's got to be uh, very happy about it. $900 million. Dollars. Mm-hmm. And her husband and her are two of the four people involved. Yeah. That's a big chunk of yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So cheers to Reese. Cheers, Reese. And I'm so glad now. Now I feel not so bad that you never respond to me and my book club suggestions that I've tweeted you on and off over the last couple of years. I've been your eyes and ears on the ground. Julia You're talking been, to Reese Witherspoon right now, not yeah. me. Okay, I'm <laughs> right. just curious who we're talking to. No, when I was tweeting Reese and only the last two books that I remember to tweet Hello Sunshine, but I'm not going to feel bad about the lack of, you know, getting back to me. She's been busy, Lori. She's been busy. She's got a major company. A major company uh-huh. to run, but I just thought I could, you know, could help her, but yeah, I'm now I feel like, I don't okay. Really she needs our help. Yeah, you know what, Julia? You can't read everything. I just read this book, The Birthday Club. Agents, do you know how much they have to read to be able to find stuff for their clients? Right. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to. Birthday club's coming out at the end of the month. Just trying to help. Lori, I love it. You're a giver. Mm -hmm. Always a giver. Always. uh, Bill and Melinda Gates are done. They are officially divorced. Wow. Mm -hmm. TMZ got the divorce documents. You know what's interesting about TMZ? They haven't reported one word on uh, the judge getting thrown out of Brad and Angelina's. Do you think he likes uh, Brad Pitt? Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Warner Brothers owns TMZ. But, I mean, they are always the one who always has anything legal. I mean, they sure went to, had a lot of stories about Brad getting the temporary joint yeah. custody. Yeah, they had yeah, a million, yeah. and then it was crickets. Yeah. So obvious. But anyway, TMZ got a hold of the divorce uh, documents. Melinda is not changing her last name. Neither one of them gets spousal support. And everything. I don't like this sentence, though. Okay, so they've been married for twenty-seven years, yes. and there was no prenup. Right. Okay, and his his estimated worth is one hundred thirty billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the next sentence: Melinda has been cashing in on the split for months. Remember, Bill lined her pockets with nearly two billion in stocks the day she filed for divorce. Stocks. So sexist. I know. And written. the following day, he hooked her up with 25 million shares of Mexican Coca-Cola. This is the, like the most sexist thing. It is. These are joint assets. Yeah. Um. I hate. The, I, I just read that and thought, wow. It, well, I'm wow. just saying, TMZ is sexist with their Jeez. coverage yep. on how they write about stuff. And it was sexist also that they didn't give Angelina that she won a victory getting that judge taken out. I mean, TMZ is owned by Warner Brothers Studio. So it just feels like the whole way uh, that they wrote this, like well, this she's is so not bad. deserving of, of it. the money. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. That just bothered me. Mm. And then, you know, remember when the family went to the private Island, mm-hmm. when the news broke and everyone, but him, but I mean, you know, apparently these NDAs and the things uh, that he, he was hitting on, he was the, the, he was that guy. 
that it's no one so thought was shocking. a wolf in he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, it's just so shocking. Yeah. So they're divorced and we're there's a separation contract and basically I don't know. I think he probably she probably got about sixty five billion. Yeah. Well it's she billion, should. She should yeah, get half. half. She should get half. That's it's part half. of the deal. But I just I just thought I haven't read anything that sexist yes. in a little while. <sighs> Come on. Yeah. Come on, people. Okay, Benifer is not married, but they are still in, um, you know, in the south of Italy. They're in Italy now. I think they were in, floating around Naples on the Valerie. Is that what they were doing? Yeah, no one got married. That was the wild, wild I didn't rumor. hear that. I think the wilder rumor that's true is they're recreating Jenny from the block scene by scene. He's wearing the watch from that video. She's wearing, I mean, that could be the credible thing that's That's just kind of funny that they're doing that, though. She's wearing the Ben necklace. Did she wear that in the video? Uh, No, she didn't, but I think that that is, uh, and Ben is gone. He's left her. I thought so, because she had lunch with other people that he wasn't there. Yeah, Mark Anthony has the kids for, like, probably two weeks. I'm telling you what. Those were fun pictures to look at. Weren't I so they? appreciated them going to the south of France and giving us all those By pictures. By the way, if you're wondering how much the Valerie, $130 million yacht, what that costs to rent a week? Tell me. $1.1 million for a week. Oh, wow. 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 Can you imagine? No. That's FU money. That is. <laughs> That's true what? FU that money. That is. is. And before, before leaving for the U.S., Ben joined... Jen at a restaurant in, I think, Naples, because that's where mm-hmm. he would have flown out of. But they were all over each other, lots of PDA. And uh, yeah, this is just, this has been a real good birthday. And his birthday is coming up. These they're, Leos. They're the cutest. I love their pictures. I, I know. mean, like, this makes you want. I know. And then she's wearing a bracelet in the yellow bikini, if you saw her this week, a bracelet that he bought her in 2002. So. She kept all the jewelry. Who has the pink ring? Wait till that comes out. Then you know it's happening. I love it. All right, stay tuned. Kristen Harwell, the New York Times bestselling author, is joining us next. We are having a second visit with the Lori and Julia Book Club author. We got to talk to Kristen about two months ago. Kristen Harwell, excuse me. And we talked to her about the Book of Lost Names. And now uh, we're talking to her about another amazing book. She's written The Forest of Vanishing Stars. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Hi. It's so good to hear your voices again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Another another home run from you. Oh, geez, Louise. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Kristen, give us the setup of The Forest of Vanishing Stars. And then we want to ask you, how you found out about this amazing true story, which this is a fictionalized it's, version of it, but it's pretty incredible story. So let's start with the setup of the book. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is about um, a young woman who was kidnapped from her German parents on her second birthday by this woman named Yerusha, who feels like she's been called by the forest itself to take this girl to raise her deep in the woods and to give her just a different life. So she raises her with all the survival skills she'll need 
but basically no skills of human contact because she raises her in almost complete isolation. So then the woman dies in 1942, and Yona, the main character, is kind of walking around the forest alone when suddenly her path crosses with that of a family of fleeing Jewish refugees. And for the first time, she learns what's happening in uh, the villages outside of the safety of her woods. So she she learns that um, Jews are being rounded up, put into ghettos, uh, and being murdered by the Nazis. We, you know, we're right in the midst of World War II. So she has this decision. Does she stick to the safety of her forest like she's always been taught? Or does she step out of that safety zone and help and do what she can to save these people? And so, of course, she chooses the latter, or it would be a very short book. Right. I'd mm-hmm. not be on your show talking to you. Um, but it becomes this story of coming of age, a story of identity. And ultimately, at its heart, is it is about the... Um, or it's based on the real-life stories of Jewish refugees in Eastern Europe who really did survive in the forests that way for years during the Second World War and walked out of the woods alive at the end of the war. I mean, the the true stories behind this are just absolutely incredible. So how did you find out about the story of people that had lived in the forest? Yeah, lived in the forest. I mean, was it when you were doing, were, you know, your research on the Book of Lost Names or another no, one of your um, books? That is, it's a great question. So I've written several novels set in World War II France. And this is set in World War II Poland, um, actually in an area of Poland that is now Belarus, you know, just because of shifting mm-hmm. national borders. Um, so, no, it was actually not during research for my other books, but it's something that I kept hearing mentions of here and there, um, just because it's such an extraordinary story. And, um, you know, people reference it just in passing when you're talking about heroic stories of survival. And I remembered seeing a movie called Defiance that came out in 2008. Um, I think I saw it around 2009. It stars Daniel Craig um, as a man named Tuvia Bielski, who, along with his brothers, led a, um, a group of refugees into the forest. Um, and that group grew to more than 1,200 people who hid in the forest and survived that way. So, you know, I think when I kept hearing this mentioned again or just hearing little references here and there to people who survived in the woods, I remembered that story and began looking back into it. Um, and the story that unfolded through the research was so much more in-depth and so much more incredible, even than that movie, which was um, which was an astounding, beautiful movie. I would highly recommend it. But, you know, you can only tackle so much in two hours. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I dove into a year's worth of research on this. It, it's just, oh gosh, it's just fascinating. And in fact, one of the interesting things I get to do as part of this research was to speak to the youngest Bielski brother. So um, the movie is about the Bielski brothers um, and the group they formed. The youngest brother, Aaron, was 14 when he fled into the woods in 1941. He's still alive. He lives in Florida, just a few hours away from where I live. Oh, my gosh. And uh, he's, he's 94 now. And we had a chance oh. to talk last summer, which was such an honor and such a privilege. I mean, if you're just joining us, let's just mm-hmm. give the book a plug. We're talking with Kristen Harmel. The book is The Forest of Vanishing Stars. The cover is gorgeous, by the way. And um, we were talking about the story of the Bielski brothers and that you just how how cool that you got to sit down with this this 94 year old man and, and talk about his experiences. 
it, I mean, what what an opportunity. And, you know, these opportunities aren't going to be in front of us much longer. Right. We're, we're really, you know, we're losing the generation of people who were old enough to remember um, what happened during that war. But his experience, um, his experiences were so moving and, and the way he framed it and what he felt he had learned from it. Just having that discussion with him was so tremendously powerful. And I think um, I think it really became part of the heartbeat of this book. Like the story is not about the Bielski brothers. The story is not about Aaron Bielski. Um, it's a completely fictional story where the real life survivors are based very heavily on the way those people survived. Um, but just to talk to someone who'd been through that and who walked out of the forest forever changed based on that experience was um, was really profound for me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm wondering if like, cause in Yona, when she, you know, she knows how to survive off the land, mm-hmm. she knows how to defend herself, but she knows nothing about, you know, yeah. humans or whatever. But when she meets this group of Jewish refugees, um, fleeing the Nazis, and then when they have to, at one point they have to go in deep into the forest and go into an area where she knows where there's a swamp. Right. And you're yeah. writing it, you know, you really have all this good wilderness stuff. And I'm just, it was so vivid. I'm wondering, is that from Mr. Bialski? No, that no. is a great question. The, the wilderness stuff came from a few sources. So I did a ton of reading before I started writing the book, just a ton of reading about everything I could get my hands on about the specific forest where this book is set, as well as survivor recollections. Um, and, you know, again, there were 1,200 people that walked mm. out as part of this Bielski group. But there were other smaller groups in the forest, too. And a lot of them have either written their own memoirs or have been interviewed um, and, you know, have kind of given their recollections. Yeah. But even after reading through all of that, I felt like I didn't totally have a handle on the forest, which really had to become a character. Because yes. the forest, you know, sustained them and sheltered them and betrayed them and protected them. And, you know, the, the forest was a character. So I ended up connecting with this man named Vadim Sidorovich, who is a um, an ecotourism guide who he has a PhD and he leads um, guided tours in English into the forest. He lives in the forest. And um, I contacted him and told him what I was writing about and that I needed some help. And um, and uh, he um, basically offered to become my research right arm in Belarus. So I would send him, I paid him by the hour, um, and I would send him like 20 questions at a time, and they would be things about the herbs and the flowers and the trees and the plants and, you know, how the survivors made stoves underground and how they would find shelter if they hadn't built their shelter yet and it started to rain or how they would escape somebody quickly if they needed to blend in. I mean, there were a million questions, and he answered every single one in enormous detail. And I think that made the difference between the forest simply being a backdrop mm-hmm. and the forest, I, I hope, coming alive as a character oh. because he, he brought it alive for me. Yeah, you, it, you really did. And, you know, and in your author's note at the end of the book and the story is just, you know, it's so it's it is good, even though, you know, it is heartbreaking at the same time because. You write in your author's notes, think about this for a minute, approximately 3 million Jewish people were murdered in a single country, Poland. Yeah. I mean, that's really, it far outweighed any other country. Yes. Yeah, so the chances of survival of these people who escaped into the woods were so low. I mean, that's what makes it so extraordinary 
that that against all of those odds, mm-hmm. against the odds of the Germans hunting them, against the odds of, you know, the farmers on the edges of the forest hunting them, you know, for, for rewards, and against the odds of surviving the actual forest itself, yes. you know, these, these bitter, cold winters, this inhospitable wilderness. And, and to think that they made it through, it's just, it, I mean, it's almost mind-boggling. Yeah, oh. it really is. Kristen, you're such a lovely, amazing writer. The book is The Forest of Vanishing Stars. I want to give a plug because every Wednesday night, you have friends in fiction. You, there's a Facebook page and you do a Facebook Live interviewing other authors um, at 6 o'clock Central Time here. And yeah. um, you do it with other authors that we love. Patty Callahan, Mary Kay Andrews, Mary Alice, um, can't think of her last name. Um, yeah, Mary Alice Monroe and, and Christy Woodson Harvey. You're everyone has three right. names. Um, everyone has three names, except, <laughs> except for you. Except me. You're I'm the only. Oddball. I don't know how they let me join. I, I know just, it. It's I don't like, even belong there. <laughs> I like that you just have two, but we have to ask you. The book is so delicious. Has anybody optioned it? Did you know? For like a limited series or for a movie? Oh, gosh, I mean, from your lips, right? I, I hope that that happens soon. We're actually working on um, my previous book, The Book of Lost yes. Names, and yeah. then hopefully we'll be taking this one out soon. So if any of your listeners would like to option the book. Well, well right. we are always <laughs> reaching out to Reese Witherspoon, and she sold her company today I, for a lot of money. I, yeah. I assume, exactly, and I assume she's probably listening. So Reese, just like to give me a call. We'll tell her. I feel like I tweeted her for the book of Lost Names. You're just such a lovely writer. It's such a treat (laughs) to have you twice, like in a month. you got to tell us the last great book you've read. Ooh, um... Oh, uh, Patty Callahan's Once Upon a Wardrobe, which comes out in October, and it is about... um, uh, the true story behind uh, C.S. Lewis coming up with Narnia, coming up with the world of oh. Narnia. So it's just a beautiful, oh, it's so good. Once oh, Upon a Wardrobe. She wrote, yes, she wrote Savannah, which we just loved. Thank you she for did. giving us a heads up, and we'll get in touch with her publicist. Perfect. Oh, gosh, perfect. we yes, love. I, she, she's fantastic. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, love. Nice to chat with you, honey. And, and Kristen, we assume you're just always uh, working on your next book. You're always writing. I am. Yeah, I have one coming out, I think, next summer. It's tentatively scheduled for next summer. Okay. Um, and it's a return to World War II France. So uh, the back to back to what I'm known for, World War II France. <laughs> well, you're just you're so, so good. good. You're so you're good. Known for we good love writing. talking to you. Love reading your books, The Forest of Vanishing Stars. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to talk to you two again. Absolutely. Have a good day. It's impossible to not know what's going to happen. Uh, Pretty much. In the evening, because yes. they announce it on everything. So there's uh, no, we won't say what we nope. was spoiled for us this morning in case it wasn't for you. But uh, Simone Biles is competing tomorrow night. She's going to compete in the balance beam and she's ready to go and has committed yes. to it. So that will be her one event. So that's pretty exciting. That's and awesome. in the qualifiers, just to let people know, mm-hmm. during the qualifiers for the Olympics, she was seventh overall on the beam, and Suni Lee, who is going to be competing on the beam, St. Paul's, was third overall. Yeah. So just for so yeah, people. Yeah, it's know. not even her best thing, nice. if you can say that. But you can see how she wouldn't get the crazy twisties on this apparatus, like she does flying in the air through the vault 
or through the uneven parallel bars and Although spinning. they do somersaults and they go they back and flip forth. A little they bit, flip but they don't, but not like not splitting, not yeah. major, yeah. like a floor exercise or the vault lorry. And maybe she just needed that couple weeks right. to get herself Sizma chair. Get that, yeah. Get yeah, that I know out. she's flipping on the balance beam. She does. She I understand. goes back and back and then back. She does like three in a row. So I'm what I think she did is it's that not the vertical. Height. Is it going up? It's not the vertical height. Is what I'm trying to get. Got at. it. Mm-hmm. Not going up in the air yep. and spinning. So yep. she must have practiced and felt good about it. Yeah. Is Great. beach volleyball on every second of the day? Right. Lori, picks? Lori said that. Well, oh my God. How many I watched it this morning. Play? It was on this morning, too, and last night. It's on every second. I yeah. swear to God. Okay. And it isn't that much fun to watch. No. Not really. Okay. Because here's what I've decided I couldn't stand watching three on three basketball. Oh, the worst. That was horrible. That was horrible. Um, I did watch a little bit today of the horse riding, jumping over the equestrian. Yeah, the equestrian stuff. Um, I did. Now, here was something that I was kind of excited to watch today was the um, the they don't call it synchronized swimming anymore. It's called artistic swimming. Oh, okay. Mm. And they've changed the name. It started today. And they've changed the name because it it was formerly synchronized swimming, but it combines element of gymnastics and ballet in the water. And there's more of choreography in place, blah, blah, blah. They just changed the name, which is stupid, I thought. (laughs) But there was a study that came out in 2019 about um, how many synchronized swimmers, we'll just call them that, because people know what we're talking about, get concussions. Like one in four of them because they're underwater and they're trying to do all these things. And I don't know if you've ever tried to put your legs up while your body's underwater and hold yourself under yes. your arms are flailing you're trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. keep everything so you can imagine them hitting so they in, they invented a swimming cap oh, is that, that has the sort of soft oh cap? yeah it looks like headgear for yes. wrestlers a little yes. bit yes. i've seen so that they yeah, invented that in like 2000 uh, excuse me like 2018 they started wearing that because the concussions water, the, was such the polo, a problem the, water the polo, polo people wear, wear right too. So um, they, I just looked into a little bit about this artistic swimming and the changes, and then the, the whole helmet thing came up because they are so close together when they're trying to put all their feet up in the air. They all kick each other underwater, right. you know, so a lot of that's going on. Um, I have to say that Rowdy Gaines is like an unbelievable swimming announcer. He is so Hilarious. Was that the guy that was going nuts when the the during the men's well, fifteen hundred? Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines, and Rowdy Gaines is the blonder looking. Yes, he, he had the pink shirt. On. They are they are the best announcing pair, and I think uh, not N- Natalie Lukin or Natasha Lukin, Lukin the, for the, gymnastics. The gymna- I think she's very, very good too. They're both very good, yes. but they are. Uh, um, this Rowdy and Dan are great. That Caleb Dressel, Dressel I don't know that I've ever been in love with um, <laughs> triceps before. And oh, he's beautiful. what do you call right here this muscle along the neck? Trap. Trap. I think it's your trap. I've never been in love with it, traps before, Caleb Dressel. It's the triangle neck that wrestlers and swimmers can get. Yeah. My God. And he just seems like he's like he loves his wife oh, and he. He's- He's just oh, yeah. uh, very, like, he just seems like a super nice guy. But he's also got that little bad side to him with those tattoos that oh. kind of get you curious as to what kind yeah. of, you know. He's yeah. got that cute innocence, Yeah, but I, he looks like he could be some he fun. He's leaving with five Olympic gold medals. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm in love with what the U.S. track and field uh, people wear. What is that? Oh, it's a ribbed onesie is what the men are wearing. Oh, I thought it the was The runners? Yeah, the runners. Oh, I love it, Julia. 
Yeah, I think they have the ribbing in there to try and... What is the ribbing for? Because I saw it. So that you can't notice all the curves and bulges and knots and knobs in your pants. That's what I think they have the ribbing. Oh, you're hysterical. Because the rowers now, like the... The rowers, they were loose pants at the medal ceremonies ever since London 2012 when the gold medal guys went viral for, um, you know, because their pants are damp. (laughs) And they had a little bit of a line. Oh, yeah, there's quite a bit of (laughs) quite a bit of man nubbing going on there. Holy cow. Wow, I can see that through the camera right yeah. now. It's pretty prominent. Yeah, good so, for them. So they don't. So they wear they wear loose pants now. I also people were in love with Tom Daly, the British swimmer, who brought his knitting needles and yes. he sits on the sidelines and he knit a little. He's knitting little Olympic gold uh, things or just medals, little <laughs> little pouches. It's something Alexis would do. At a project down in Dirty. Totally, Laurie. So he's knitting them, and he did that one, of course, the British. Calm the nerves. Calm the nerves, and then any of his, you know, any of the British teammates who win a medal, he will give them their little knitting booty to put it in. You don't want that thing to get banged so up. So you guys are sick of the of the volleyball. Well, it's just on every second. Yeah. I loved, I loved the Italian, uh, the guy. Uh, my goodness. Uh, fastest the man in the world? The fastest man right. in the world. The new he's, fastest, Usain yeah. Bolt's, uh, uh, what is he? He's, uh, he's the, the heir to Usain Bolt. But yeah. you know, it's crazy. He was raised in Italy, but born in Texas. Yeah. His, and the guy that took second from the United States was also from Texas. But this other young man from Italy who became, and it's the first gold medal for Italy in track, I think, ever, ever. maybe. He's yeah. the world's fastest man. And he went ahead of uh, Fred Curley. For the U.S. to do right. silver, it was a very exciting race. I saw it. The, high, the Italian high jumper who shared his Lovely. gold with the is it the guy from Qatar. Yes, he le- they leapt into each other's arms um, because but he kind of came out of nowhere. Is what people were saying. Well, they were nine point eight seconds, and he beat. Uh, but I think Fred Curley is maybe a better. I don't know. He just looked so strong, but. He took second, and the Italian, uh, and they, he was so excited. And the Qatar and Italian guy, the high jump, can we share gold medals? What a well, moment! That's, they tied, and they were going to have to do a jump off. Well, and they, they both said, just looked yeah. at each other and said, they, "What? What about?" They did. I think they kept going for a while. At seven feet ten inches was did. the height, and they couldn't both beat it. So no. they were just like, "Let's just call it together." And it's a, it's allowed in the rules to share a gold medal, medal. Which who knew that? Yeah, I love it. And they these two know each other because of course these competitions, I suppose, for world and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a small group of people that are in the actual yes. high jump. And then I love watching that. Is it called steeple? What's that? When they run over the hurdles? Yeah, oh. I think so. that's, that's incredible to me. Yeah. There was a girl from the United States that won, I think, that, and she won a broke a world record, too, I think, in the process, maybe, I believe. That might be on tonight. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I sorry. don't know. It's it hard really to know. It's so hard. Really confusing. I would say it is confusing because One of my of favorite... Uh, uh, Did Bruce Springsteen's daughter and the equestrian do anything? I don't know when the equestrian is, Julia. I don't know if she competes in dressage. I think that that might have happened. Um, They give that very little airtime. Yeah. Have you noticed that? They reserve everything for volleyball and then (laughs) gymnastics, swimming, and, um, well, 
So, I mean, you know, you see highlights. You can watch. Neil Justin had a just a blistering article about how NBC has screwed the pooch on the Olympics with their coverage. What do you say? Just like, you know, Hoda lost all credibility when she's sitting down with the gymnasts and telling them that she all loved them all. And Savannah going on and on about, you know, just fake stuff. It has felt faked and forced mm-hmm. a little bit. And he was just like, you know, come on. You knew that it was going to be like this. Yeah. Not anyway. I quite liked it. <laughs> I quite liked it. I was <laughs> laughing. I All right. We got to go.